Carrie, would you pray for our time in the Word? Heavenly Father, God. Thank you, Lord. I do thank you for this day. I thank you, God, for your creation. God, this physical earth, and for us, and for the body of Christ. Father, may it all honor you and worship you in spirit and in truth. And as we come to focus on what you would have for us, pray that you would strengthen your servant today, God, as he brings this message, God. I pray, Father, that we would be soil that would receive, and that our roots would grow down deep, Father. In Jesus' name.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, that you are the light of the world. You are the way, the truth, and the life, Father. We thank you for your great love, Lord, that endures forever. We thank you yet for another day, God, to open up your word, Father, to be, Lord, in your presence. Father, to hear from you this day as you lead us, Holy Spirit. We thank you that your word calls us to walk habitually in the spirit so that we may not gratify the desires of the flesh. We thank you that your word says that you've given us everything we need to live a godly life and that we are to throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. We're called to run the race, to persevere. So, Father, I pray as we open up your word this morning, Father, that we truly would recognize that your mercies are new every day. And I pray, God, that you would give us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. God, that we would truly know that we are called to abide in Christ, to remain in Christ, that apart from you, Father, we can do nothing. So may we fix our eyes upon you this morning and let our hearts cry out, Come, Lord Jesus, have your way, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Three R's for 2021. Repentance, resolve, and to release. So each week when we get together, I'm breaking them down, putting them in front of us, if not all of them, one of them, and kind of just focusing on them in hopes that it's encouraging us and they're encouraging us to grow and to mature as believers. So repentance, the action of repenting, sincere regret or remorse. And the scripture that I gave us, this one scripture to kind of meditate upon and, and just pray upon and, and allow it to be active in our lives is 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 through 11. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin, and results in salvation. There is no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow lacks repentance, and it results in spiritual death. The second R, to resolve, to decide firmly on a course of action and make up one's mind. Romans 6, verse 11 through 12. So you also should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful 
desires. And the third R, to release the act of setting free or letting go. In John 8, 36, so if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. The three R's should be in our lives, these three areas of repentance, to resolve, to release, and as I keep encouraging us, you can't get to resolve, and you can't get to um, release if you haven't first laid the groundwork of repentance. And God is so kind and so loving that His love leads us to repentance. It's His work in us that draws us to Himself. We're in complete rebellion towards Him. Every single one of us are sinners. We are born in sin. We are born into a nature that is in complete rebellion to God, yet God loved us. And His love draws us to Himself. It is His love, and it's because of His love that He sent His one and only Son that whoever would believe in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus, He came and laid His life down. He came to reconcile mankind, the created being, back to the Father. Not anything that we could have done, but all that He accomplished. It's because of His great love that He draws us to repentance. And I've encouraged us before, and and I'll keep encouraging you all as I encourage myself that we shouldn't pull away from God. We shouldn't turn from God. No, we should be running to God. We should be seeking Him. And I love when Scripture encourages us. It says, seek Him, you will find Him if you seek Him with your whole heart. We're called to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our body, and with all of our strength. With our whole being, we are called to love God. And I've encouraged us And I'll continue to encourage us. God's plan from the beginning to the end and for all eternity to have a people that he will call his own and in return they will call him their God. They would live for him. They would know him. They would love him. So repentance, you all. When you feel the conviction, when your eyes are open. When you're drawn to Him, go to Him and lay it all down. Ask for forgiveness. Repent. A sincere regret or remorse. You understand how vile and wicked you are. You're in complete rebellion, in complete rebellion towards a holy God. And yet He calls us to Himself. We humble ourselves before Him and we receive freely from Him. As we humble ourselves, as we repent, and as we receive, we get up. And if you're in Christ, you've been born again. If you, if you have that, that, that faith, that childlike faith, if you're able to, 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 to confess and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He is risen from the dead, 
You're saved. You've been born again because in and of yourself, you would not be able to recognize that. In and of yourself, that wouldn't be something you would come up with. That is a revelation from God Almighty. Your eyes have been opened. He's begun this work in you. He's the author. He's the finisher of your faith. And so we trust in Him. We wholeheartedly believe in Him. And that alone, that belief and that confession begins to define your life. You're no longer living for yourself. Because once your eyes have been opened and you have tasted and you have seen that He is good, you won't go back and settle for the temporalness of life. We're not to be like the dog that returns to its vomit. We're not to be like the pig that returns to the mud. No. We are now living. We're living. And we're living life now that's empowered by the Holy Spirit, whom we received when we believed, when we confessed. And we are to walk by faith and not by sight. We are to grow. And I keep encouraging us. It's not about perfection, but it is about maturing. We're not going to be perfected until we are with Him. But we are to be maturing, growing, day by day by day by day. Our strength comes from Him and Him alone. We are to seek Him. And then as we're growing, as we're maturing, we are resolving, we are making up our minds. We're forsaking what is behind and we're pressing on to what's ahead. We're taking thoughts captive. We're bringing them into the obedience of His Lordship. We're allowing our minds to be renewed so that we will be transformed. And it's an every single day application of truth in your life. I keep encouraging you. It's not just a one-time prayer. It's every day. You're getting up. You're pressing in. You're pressing onward. Not by might, nor by your own power, but by the Spirit of God in you. You're walking it out. That which you have received in the Spirit, you cannot work out in the flesh. Even Paul asked the church, what are you doing? What are you doing? What you received in the Spirit, why are you trying to now live it out in the flesh? Adding to it, making it about you. When it's all about Him. You got to resolve, you got to make up your mind who he is and who you are in him. And then as you do that, you begin to release. You begin to release that tightened grip that you've had on the temporalness of life, on relationships that aren't right for you, on thoughts and desires that should no longer be defining you. You're loosening your grip on the things. from that rebellious nature has clung to. You're releasing it because you're no longer in rebellion towards Him. So why would you want to remain and abide with those things? Why? It's not who you are anymore. And so these three R's, I'm going to continue to encourage us. I keep challenging us. I hope that we don't get to the end of 2021 and your spiritual life 
Your Christian life is just as it's been. Same humdrum, here today, gone tomorrow. Maybe I show up, maybe I don't. Maybe I read, maybe I won't. Whatever, there's really no intimacy with Christ or with the fellowship. It's not a Christian life. You're to abide in Him. You're to remain in Him. You are to remain in fellowship. You are to encourage and edify each other. Build each other up. Seek Him. Love others. Serve others. Be the light. Go out and shine bright. This is who we are in Christ. And that at the end of this year, you would see and others would see some maturity in you. Something, some growth that has come forth from applying these truths. To daily allow the Lord to search your heart. Reveal any wicked way within you. Repent of it. Turn from it. Resolve. Make up your mind. Go a different direction. Begin to release what you have to release. The past, release it. Forgive. Love. Honor. Cherish. Get rid of all the insecurities. Get rid of all the the junk. Get rid of all the influences that keeps dragging you back or holding you down. So repentance, resolve, and release. I have some scriptures today that I want to encourage you in hopes to continue to, to, to draw you to truth and persevering. We're not to be a people who gets easily sidetracked. We're not to be a people who, who, are to, who grow discouraged easily, though yet it's easy to get discouraged. But we're not to continually allow ourselves just to take up camp in the wilderness. No, we're to keep persevering. We're to keep moving on towards Christ. That way we can be in step with the Holy Spirit and we can cry out collectively with each other, come Lord Jesus, come. Because our expectation is not that the temporalness of this life is going to change. Not that the culture is going to change, but that His kingdom is coming. You see, that's the expectation of the church. That's the expectation. Not that the culture will change, but that His kingdom will come. And so that is what we are moving towards day in and day out. We understand that the culture, and I keep encouraging you as you read Scripture, as you understand prophecy, as you understand that as the, as the days get closer to His return, the culture is going to get more vile, it's going to get more wicked, it's going to get darker and darker and darker. But as I keep trying to encourage us, that shouldn't persuade us to give up or give in or to retreat no, no, no. That should encourage you to press in and to press on because you are to be burning brighter. As the world gets darker, the church should be getting brighter. We're not to go the way of the culture. We're going to, we are to be going the way of Christ and His kingdom and His purpose by His power. Loving others, serving others, Praying, interceding, 
speaking and sharing the hope that we have in Christ. Evangelizing. Doing as the Lord calls us to do. And forsaking all. Not making it about me, myself, and I. But all of Him. His kingdom. His purpose. His pleasure. It's all about Him. So I hope these Scriptures today, that you'll take them, that you'll go back, you'll meditate through them, you'll pray through them, you'll contact each other, encourage each other in them, ask questions, how do do I apply them to my life? Understand what it means not just to be a hearer of the Word, but to be a doer of the Word. So go to Romans chapter 5. Verse 1 through 12 is where we're heading. Faith brings joy. Therefore, since you have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. If you've been around me long enough, you know that's one of my favorite verses. It's a verse that I repeatedly go back to to remind myself of all who Christ is and what Christ has done. Now, therefore, I am at peace with God through Christ Jesus. He's the one who reconciled me back to Him. It's nothing I did. It's all what Christ has done. And therefore, now, I am at peace with God. I love this Scripture. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, By faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. It's not how you cleaned up yourself. It's not anything you can do. It is all because of Christ. And we're no longer in rebellion towards God and His kingdom. No, we're now at peace with God. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And look at this. Listen to these words. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Do you think upon that? Do you give even some thought to that as you're going about your day? What encouragement do you draw from the Word of God? What encouragement do you receive from the Holy Spirit? What encouragement do you receive from fellowship with other believers? Reminding ourselves day in and day out. Listen to this. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand And listen, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. 
For we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. Oh, did you hear verse 5? And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. Oh, that's why I keep asking you all, why would you trade his love for his wrath? Why on God's earth would we do that? Why are we pulling away from God, pulling away from fellowship, resisting him? I keep telling you, God is not stiff-arming us. No, the created man, they're stiff-arming God because they don't want him. They want to be God. We want to be God before we came to Christ. It was all about me, myself, and I. My wants, my desires, my needs, and everything else of me. But he's to be God. We've laid our lives down. We've died to the old man, to the old woman. We've nailed that old person to his cross. We've crucified our desires, our nature, to his cross. It's no longer I who's living, but it should be Christ living in and through me. He's alive. Do you know? I mean, just highlight verse 5. Go back and just sit on that verse, meditate upon it, chew on it. Do you know how dearly God loves you? That's the question. And I keep encouraging us, as you see Him, so you will live. But if you don't know Him, you're not truly living. You'll never understand the blessed hope that you have because you truly don't know Him. Do you know how dearly God loves you? You want to know how you know? What have you done with Jesus? Who's Jesus to you? There's a lot of people who know, okay, God loves me. But it's just a phrase that they say. They don't really know. So for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So I encourage you when you're out there and you're sharing with people, just because people may have a knowledge of God's love does not make them saved. But at least they have a foundation which now you can open up the door as the Holy Spirit's empowering you and as the Holy Spirit is drawing them to himself to share about Jesus. Because he's the only way to the Father. One must believe in their heart and they must confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he's risen from the dead. They must understand How dearly God loves them. Because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. 
when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight, look at this, by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Scriptures that I hope would encourage us to keep persevering, to keep pressing in, as the culture is getting darker and darker, as we're expecting His return at any moment. You should be loving the Lord your God with all of your heart. You should know of His great love towards you. That He was willing to come and lay His life down for you. To take the punishment you deserved and I deserved. Because we were sinners. And now as we are in Christ, now we are to live as one who is in right relationship and right fellowship with God. It's not that you will never sin. It's just that sin will no longer be your master. Sin is not comfortable for you any longer. And when you sin, you feel the quick conviction of the Holy Spirit reminding you that is not who you are any longer because He reminds you of who He is and His great love towards you. Oh, I pray that we truly understand the fullness of His love and the price that was paid that we may receive such great love. And as we receive such a great salvation, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, God in us. I know how I pray that you're learning and you're growing to walk in the Spirit, to trust His leading, even in difficult circumstances, even as it's going to get harder and harder for Christians upon this earth, that you would cling to Christ, that you would hope in Christ, that you would persevere in Christ, and that you would acknowledge Christ and all that you say and do. Oh, believers, we must cling to Him, and we must be living for Him. We must allow the, uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit to be working in and through our lives. We must be utilizing the gifts that He's given each one of us. The Bible says how the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts. 
within the church, because collectively we are His body, He is the head, and there's work that we are to be doing until we are called home. Until then, press in, saints. Persevere. No matter what you're enduring, no matter what you're facing, it's not time to give up. It's not time to quit. It's not time to keep looking back. No, it's time to press on. Especially now when you see that Christianity is being forced more and more and more out of society, throughout the earth. I mean, for goodness sakes, there is a pastor in Canada right to the north of us that was arrested in his crime holding church services. This Equality Act that's a, that could potentially or possibly pass within our own nation, it will redefine how our nation looks at the church and Christian ministries. Like We must understand that we're not just to go to church, no, we're to be the church. And there should be a passion and a hunger for God's Word among the church. And a passion and a hunger to encourage and to edify each of us to grow and to mature. And I've always said throughout the years, you need to be a part of fellowship. We need you to be healthy and active in fellowship. All of us, we are needed to accomplish what Christ has called us to do. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to park ourselves in Hebrews for, for a bit before we move on to our scriptures of today. Again, right now, I want to put some scriptures ahead of you for this week in hopes that you would go back and just sit with them, pray through them, be encouraged by them. So Hebrews chapter 11. Great examples of faith. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It is by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him, but before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. 
It is by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God. He warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world. And he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land, God promised him he'd live there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it. Oh, would you just highlight this? They saw it from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed, listen to this, they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. It is by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was already to, uh, was, uh -huh, was to receive God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants would be counted, Abraham responded that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future of his sons Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed and worshipped as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. 
He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground, but when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all of the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weaknesses was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to fight. Women received their loved ones back from the dead. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning, some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes and in the ground. All of these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God has something better in mind for us, so that we would not reach perfection without us. Oh, how I pray that you would go back and you would see the marching orders. <laughs> how we are to be living by faith, encouraged to keep persevering, to make a difference, to be known by God, to know God, and for others to know of your hope in God. Oh, I got so comfort, so much comfort out of reading this portion of Scripture and out of reading what we're going to read later in Ruth because it just reminded me that throughout history, God has a remnant set aside. People who were not influenced by the culture. They were looking elsewhere. They were looking upward. 
trusting in God, no matter their circumstances, by faith, living and believing and moving through their time on this earth, not clinging to that of the earth, but looking forward to that of heaven, on the resurrection. God kept them, and they responded in obedience to the God who called them as his own. And in return, they called him their God. They weren't easily influenced or corrupted by the culture. They knew who their God was. They weren't perfect. They were created beings like we were. Born in a sinful nature. In rebellion towards God. But God. But God. Called them to himself. And they responded. By faith. So I just want to encourage you. I keep telling us we were meant for today. We will be, if we're living tomorrow, we're meant for tomorrow. As long as we have breath in our body, we are meant for this generation. You were meant to live in one of the darkest times of history. It's only getting darker. Days before us, those people that that are before us, they were meant to live during that period of time. We were meant for today. What can be said about your life and this culture? How are you living to share Christ and the good news of the hope that you have in the one who has called you his own and the resurrected Son of God, the hope that you have in Christ and the hope of his return and his eternal kingdom that we have been grafted into Oh, the hope that we have to live and not die. But see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Oh, I pray that you're encouraging yourself. I pray that you're getting up daily and you're encouraging yourself daily and throughout your day who He is, who you are in Him, and His return and His kingdom that we will partake of all because of what he has accomplished. So chapter 11 of Hebrews, may it speak to your heart this week and encourage you to get up and live. Get up and live. Go back and read through it. There's so much there. Go to Hebrews 12. God's discipline proves his love and they call to listen to God. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses of the life of faith, listen to this, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this, keeping our eyes on Jesus, The champion 
who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured for sinful people or from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And have you forgotten that in the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, oh, perk up and listen, my child. Don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who was never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years during the be- doing the best they knew how. But God, discipline, but God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is endurable while it is happening. It is painful, but afterward there will be peaceful a peaceful harvest of look at this right living for those who were trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired, I love this, hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fail but become strong. Work at living in peace with everyone. Listen to that. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai, For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. No, you have not, I'm sorry, no, you have come to Mount Zion. 
to a city, O Lord, listen to this, of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven, who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, will we certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven? When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let's be thankful and please God by worshiping Him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. God's discipline, you all. It's needed in our lives. And we have been called to listen to God. And, 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 and as we listen, we are called to obey you all. We just can't have a form of religion and deny His power. We just can't show up to church and then go right back out and live however we want. Having no holy fear of God. Just letting things spew out of our mouths. Letting thoughts just run wild in our minds. Allowing desires and temptations to define us. Giving ourselves over to all of the junk that's just destroying us. When God all along is calling us to life. To live. To be made right and whole. Nothing missing and nothing broken. Peace given to us. That we may endure the days that are ahead for us. Oh, how I pray you can find encouragement. Chapter 13, we're moving right into verses 1 through 21. How then shall we live? Keep on loving each other. As brothers and sisters, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. Give honor to marriage. Praise be to God. And remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. 
For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow their example of their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So don't be attracted by strange new ideals. Oh, let's listen to that scripture again. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we are not to be attracted by strange new ideals. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food which don't help those who follow them or any other rules that man-made rules that so-called Christian leaders want to lay upon us. No, it's all of Christ and none of you. We have an altar from which the priest and the tabernacle have no right to eat. Under the old system, the high priest brought the blood of the animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin, and the bodies of the animals were burned outside the camp. So also, Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people (coughs) holy by means of his own blood. So let us go out to him outside the camp, and bear the disgrace he bore. For this world is not our permanent home. I like that. Circle that. For this world is not our permanent home. We, just like those we just read about, are looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Oh, please don't miss that scripture. Get it out in front of you this week. Let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God. How this should you live? Proclaiming your allegiance to his name. Not to your wants, not to your desires, not to your past, not to what people or the culture is doing around you, but to God. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that pleases God. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Pray for us, for our conscience is clear, and we want to live honorably in everything we do. And especially pray that I will be able to come back to you soon. Oh, and listen to how this wraps up, verse 20 through 21. This beautiful prayer. Now may the God of peace, who brought up From the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. 
may He produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to Him. All glory to Him forever and ever. Amen. Oh, did you hear what has been pronounced over us? Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip us with all we need for doing his will. May he produce in us, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. These scriptures, I pray that again you would go back to and that you would draw strength from and encouragement to persevere to press on, to truly know what it means to live as one who is in Christ. Who has come to a place of understanding. Did you, did you hear the scripture? That each and every single day throughout your day, you should be proclaiming your allegiance to His name. Not to anything else, but to Him. To Him, Jesus, you all. His kingdom has been established. And it's a kingdom that will not be shaken. And we, if, though, if you are in Christ, if you truly are a believer, you've been engrafted in. And you've been given the right to call Him Abba, to call Him Daddy. You have an intimate relationship with the living Lord, with God, the Creator of heaven and earth. And this is not your home. You're to be looking upward and onward to the place He has prepared and that He will be bringing us into. And so I pray you are encouraged. Go to Ruth chapter 2. We're going to finish the book of Ruth today. Ruth chapter 2. We opened up last week. And we're introduced to Ruth. And her mother-in-law, Naomi. And remember Ruth, she didn't decide to go back to her own homeland. She's a Moabite woman. She declared that she would remain with Naomi and care for Naomi that her Naomi's people would become her people, but ultimately her declaration that Naomi's God would become her God is what transformed her life. That is what transformed her life. And as you study through this book, and as you read through the commentary, and you understand the richness of it, there's so much you can pull from it. And so let's go in, let's dive in today. We're going to meet Boaz. <clears throat> Now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. One day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Now remember, 
back I believe in Deuteronomy, Moses laid this understanding out, this law out, to not let the, the harvesters pick up everything, but to leave some so that the poor could come out and pick up and have substance for themselves and their family to sustain them. And what I love here too about Ruth is Ruth is not allowing her circumstances to define her. She's not growing bitter. No, she's getting better by the day. She's not just sitting down and taking what life has thrown at her. No, she's getting up and she's pressing on. She knows good and well what needs to be done. She is caring for her widow. She is caring for her mother-in-law. And work must be done. Oh, she could have chosen just to sit on the sidelines and mope and dope all day long and expected handouts. Give me, give me, do for me, do for me. Look at my poor life, my poor pathetic life. And she could have just kept telling her sad story over and over and over and over again. And both of them could have sat there with each other, complaining, fault-finding, murmuring. Our poor lives. Nothing ever works out. Nothing's good. But we don't see that. She's a woman of character. She's a woman who allowed her decision to define her life. I will go with you. I will take care of you. Your people will become my people. Your God will be my God. So she must have known the provision that was set forth way back when with Moses. She must have heard. I'm sure she probably heard from Naomi as she was learning about her God. Ruth, you should be out there gathering. And look, one day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who was kind enough to let me do it. And Naomi replied, all right, my daughter-in-law, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. As it happened, she found herself working in the field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. Listen, as you're reading through the book of Ruth, you will see God's sovereignty. It's not by accident. It's not by chance. It's not by luck. No, it's by God. God ordained. God knew what was happening and what will come. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Then Boaz asked his foreman, Who is this young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, She is a young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She had been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. She's a hard worker. She's committed. Boaz went over and said to, to Ruth, Listen, my daughter. Stay here, right here with us. 
when you gather grain. Don't go to any other field. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? She asked, I am only a foreigner. Oh, she has a strong character. She's a very humbled woman. Yes, I know, Boaz replied. But I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of her husband. I've heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. I hope I continue to please you, sir, she replied. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not one of your workers. At mealtime, Boaz called to her, Come over here and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So she sat with his harvesters, and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. Oh, do you not see this beautiful picture of not just here with Ruth and Boaz, but with Christ and his bride? How he takes us in. We're foreigners. We're people who are in complete rebellion towards his kingdom. And yet he draws us in. Cares for us. Provides for us. When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young man, let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her and pull out some heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. So Ruth gathered a barley there all day, and when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. She carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law, Ruth, who gave her the roasted grain that was left over from her meal. Ruth, I'm sorry, also gave her the grain, roasted grain that was left over from her meal. Where did you gather all this grain today? Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. She said, the man I work with today is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He is showing you his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. The man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Then Ruth said, What's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. Good, Naomi exclaimed. Do as he said, my daughter. Stay with his young women right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. 
So Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's field and gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest. Then she continued working with them through the wheat harvest and in early summer and all the while she lived with her mother-in-law. She's committed. She's an honorable woman. She's a hardworking woman. She's a humbled woman. One day Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with, these, with his young women. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you. Take a bath and put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes. Then go to the threshing floor. But don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Right around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I'm your servant Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing, you are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before, for you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do, I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows you as a virtuous woman. But while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, there is another man who is more closely related to you than I am. So stay here tonight, and in the morning I will talk to him. If he is willing to redeem you very well, let him marry you. But if he is not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down here until morning. So Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until the morning. But she got up before it was light enough for people to recognize each for people to recognize each other. For Boaz had said, No one must know that a woman was here at the threshing floor. Then Boaz said to her, Bring your cloak and spread it out. He measured six scoops of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. Then he returned to the town. When Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, What happened, my daughter? Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done for her. And she added, He gave me these six scoops of barley and said, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said to her, Just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. The man won't rest until he has settled things today. What a beautiful wedding proposal. This is what Naomi had Ruth do as she sent her into the threshing floor to lay at Boaz's feet and to uncover them. It's a beautiful understanding 
of the kinsman redeemer. One who would redeem as Christ did for us. It's a beautiful illustration of obedience, of loving kindness. There is nothing dirty or sensual about it, as maybe we would tend to think in our culture pervertedly. No, this is something that was very beautiful, honorable. And this is what we see being played out before us. She was known as a virtuous woman. Her character was intact. She was mindful of her business. <laughs> and she kept herself moving forward. And as I was studying, as we'll see at the concluding of the next chapter, it wraps up pointing to King David. And the whole reason, potentially, why this book was written for the Israelites because King David would be chosen as their king, the one appointed by God. But as it is in our human condition, we like to judge people. And so the concern that these people would have had that there was a Moabite in his family line. And so this story was written and kept and told and shared with generations of people of this foreigner who was engrafted in, whose character was intact. She was an honorable woman, a virtuous woman. She was a woman of God. So it didn't matter how man defined her, it was how God equipped her and defined her. And that's not forget Boaz. Boaz. Remember who his mother was? Rahab, the prostitute. And I go, God, aren't you amazing? <laughs> you see, his mother's past didn't have to define her to where she would live a life that would corrupt him. Oh, no. She was a restored woman. And in that, she raised her son up to be a man of God, a man of character, a man that was honorable. Remember, this was taking place back in the times of the judges. We just finished the book of Judges. We got a good glimpse of how horrible that culture was. They were doing everything they wanted to do. Living however they wanted to live. Giving themselves over to everything and to anything. But here we see two people in the midst of that culture living honorable lives. As it is today. We don't have to go the way of our culture. Church, we are to live honorable lives. Trusting in God. Living for God. Chapter 4, Boaz went to the town gate and took a seat there. Just then the family redeemer he had mentioned came by. So Boaz called out to him, come over here and sit down, friend. I want to tell, talk to you. So they sat down together. Then Boaz called ten leaders from the town and asked them to sit as witnesses. 
And Boaz said to the family redeemer, You know <coughs> Naomi who came back from Moab. She's selling the land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should speak to you about it so that you can redeem it. If you wish, if you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right away because I'm next in line to redeem it after you. <coughs> the man replied, all right, I'll redeem it. Then Boaz told him, of course, you, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires you to marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. That way she can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land in the family. Then I can't redeem it, the family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land. I cannot do it. Now in those days it was the custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right of purchase to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party. This publicly validated the transaction. So the other family redeemer drew off his sandal as he said to Boaz, You buy the land. Then Boaz said to the elders and to the crowd standing around, You are witnesses that today I have brought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. And with the land I have required Ruth, the Moabite widow of Malon, to be my wife. This way she can have a son to carry on the family's name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses today. Then the elders and all the people standing in the gate replied, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your house home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel descended. May you prosper in Ephrah and be famous in Bethlehem. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestors, Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah. So Boaz took Ruth into, Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord, who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. And Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast, and she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor women, women said, Now at last Naomi has a son again, and they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. This is the genealogical record of their ancestor Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram, Ram was the father of Elimadad. Abimadad was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Solomon. Solomon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. And ultimately, we know that Jesus comes from this line. The Messiah. The one that was spoken in Genesis. That one would come and crush the head of the serpent. The Messiah. 
Jesus. God is making a way to fulfill all that he has promised. Go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 43 through 54. At the end of the two days, Jesus went on to Galilee. He himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown. Yet the Galileans welcomed him, for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Canaan, where he had turned the water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son, who was about to die. Jesus asked, Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, Go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed. What Jesus had said, it started home. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them what the boy, when the boy had begun to get better, and they replied, Yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that that was the very time Jesus had told him, Your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. This man's faith ultimately led to his family's conversion and belief in Jesus, you all. And I love how Jesus, when he spoke in verse 48, will will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders. And though yet he's having this conversation with this man, it was meant for everyone at large. (laughs) This was a generation as it is throughout the generations that just wanted to see signs and wonders. (laughs) Miracles. And there's nothing wrong with miracles. (laughs) But if that's what's driving you, then your desire really is not to know Christ, just to take from Him. Oh, that our heart's desire would be to know Him. Let's go to Psalm 105, verse 16 through 36. We're coming to an end of today. Psalm 105. Verse 16 through 36. He called for famine on the land of Canaan, cutting off its food supplies. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them. This is all giving an account of what God has done. Remember, God is sovereign. God is good. God is just. There's no error found in God. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them. Joseph, 
who was sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Then Pharaoh sent for him and set him free. The ruler of the nation opened his prison door. Joseph was put in charge of all the king's household. He became ruler over the king's possessions, all the king's possessions. He could instruct the king's aides as he pleased and teach the king's advisors. Then Israel arrived in Egypt. Jacob lived as a foreigner in the land of Ham. And the Lord multiplied the people of Israel until they became too mighty for their enemies. Then he turned the Egyptians against the Israelites, and they plotted against the Lord's servants. But the Lord sent his servant Moses along with Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed miraculous signs among the Egyptians and wonders in the land of Ham. The Lord blanketed Egypt in darkness, and they had defied his commands to let his people go. He turned the water into blood, poisoning all the fish. Then the frogs overran the land and even invaded the king's bedrooms. When the Lord spoke, flies descended upon the Egyptians, and gnats swarmed across Egypt. He sent them hell instead of rain, and lightning flashed over the land. He ruined their grapevines and fig trees and shattered all of their trees. He spoke and hordes of locusts came, young locusts beyond number. They ate up everything green in the land, destroying all the crops in their fields. Then he killed the oldest son in each Egyptian home, the pride and joy of each family. God is sovereign. God is good. And there's no error found in God. He has spoken, he has planned, and he has delivered. He has done all he has set out to do, and now we wait as his children for his glorious return, for that eternal kingdom with our Savior and Lord. To God be the glory, you all. Proverbs is where we're ending chapter 14. Proverbs 14, I should say, verse 6, nope, 26 through 27. Two nuggets of wisdom. 14, verse 26 through 27. Those who fear the Lord are secure, He will be a refuge for their children. Fear of the Lord is a life-giving fountain. It offers escape from the snares of death. I'm going to close this with this last song, and then I'll close this in prayer.
Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. I thank you, Father, that for those who are in Christ, have been grafted into your kingdom, adopted into your family, and you've given us the right to call you Abba, to call you Daddy. I pray that all who are here today and those who may be watching, Father, that they are in Christ. And if they're not, then today I pray God would be the day of salvation, that they would come to believe and confess that you are the Son of God and that you've risen from the dead. That they, God, would humble themselves, that they would repent, and that they would receive. That they would be born again of the Spirit. pray, God, that they wouldn't delay, but they would call upon the name of Jesus and be saved. And I pray from there, God, that they would make a decision to be baptized and then to be discipled, to understand and to know how to obey all your commands. We thank you for that, Lord. I pray for those who are already in Christ. I pray, God, that they would not grow weary in doing good, but that they would have been encouraged today to persevere, to fan the flame within, to love you even more, Lord. Stir up within them, Father, I ask, God, the gifts that you've equipped them with. And may they go forth and burn bright this week, impacting the lives of others as they go forth and reflect you, Father. So bless your people, Lord, I pray. And we thank you for mothers today, Lord. This is the day that's set aside to honor them. I do pray that each mother would feel honored and that God, that their past wouldn't have to define them, especially if they are in Christ. They would know, God, that they are made whole. God, that they are honorable women. And that, Father, you would encourage them to keep pressing in and pressing on. So bless them, Father, I pray. I thank you, God, for the provision we're about to partake in. Do pray, God, that it will bless and nourish our bodies for thy service, Lord. I pray for those who may be in need within our fellowship and just within our community, Father, that you would provide, Father, and they would know you as provider. And we thank you for that, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Melissa was on and Sherry was on and then there were two people on that I don't I don't know who they were. They never identified themselves. Thank you. 